0: Are you a first generation feeler? That's someone who is a part of the first generation in their family to actively pursue their own healing, feel their emotions and or break some unhealthy patterns that have been passed down for generations. Does that sound familiar? Here at First Gen Feeler, We're going to be looking at life through the first generational lens and the extra step of looking through the lens of those who came before us to understand, or at least try to understand the ultimate question, how the heck did I come out this way? We've all been handed tangled yarn balls of life and somewhere along the way, we figured out life is about learning how to unravel them. Stay tuned for the journey of understanding what we need to function as our best selves, Lots of reflection on what has shaped our lives and determining if what we've been given is what we want to keep for future generations. Warning, this might just resonate with some first-gen listeners, and that's okay. Let's grab life by the yarn balls. my goodness welcome to the first episode of first gen feeler i am your host victoria and i am a first gen feeler myself sometimes i dabble in therapy attending and also being a therapist and right now my heart's passion is creating a space for the first generation who are exploring their emotions and what it is to be vulnerable and break generational patterns that we're not so fond of. And today I am so excited to have a guest with me today. So I would like to introduce you. Actually, I'll let you introduce yourself. Sure. Welcome. So thank you. Who are you?
1: (laughs) Interesting, interesting question, right? Because typically we say, well, I'm a mom of two, Mm -hmm. a wife, right? (laughs) but today I'll go with the roles. Uh, I'll go with the main one that brought us together, which Mm -hmm. is the creator of Seizing You, an online community where women of color come to find content and resources on answering the question, who am I? And yeah, yeah, (laughs) I see you wanna say something.
0: No, I just, I really appreciated your content and sort of the way that we met was, um, I thought it was hilarious because on my side. I was like, she seems so cool. I want to reach <laughs> out to her. And uh, well, you can go ahead and say what happened. <laughs> there you go. I actually thought
1: you were cool. Right. So I I came across your content with just, I think it was just random scrolling through related reels of what, it, where I started. Mm-hmm. And I started, and I was like, wait, she's speaking my language. Number one, She is super like chill and laid back, you know, not fancy makeup or any of that because that's totally my vibe (laughs) and and you just seem like super genuine and I love that about you I loved your spirit and what was coming through the real, I was like, I'm totally following her It's so hard to find women of color that are doing the work that we're doing in terms of healing and looking inwards and focusing on that um, inner experience of us as women. I know in your case here, you're kind of just open, right? But in my case, I'm looking for women, women and building a community of women that are that are doing this work of wellness and specifically women of color.
0: Yeah, and I just I really appreciate all of your content. There's so much that I'm learning from you, and I I know that like we've texted, and I'm like, okay, how did I do this? Or I've I've fumbled on one of my posts, and you're like, there's no audio. So I've I've just appreciated
1: <laughs> the for sure. that uh,
0: has been course. born of this. So
1: thank you. Uh, like I know the struggle. <laughs> I know the struggle, and I was like, wait, I am almost certain that she, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm so glad and happy that you were, you know, open to just welcome the feedback and welcome. Yeah. The support.
0: Oh yeah. I, I love it. Thank you. So you, and again, just to remind, so you are on Instagram and it's mm-hmm. at seizing you. You right? got it. at you. There we go. So Give a follow, and then we can remind again at the end. For and if sure. you're not following already, and you're listening, follow at First Gen Feeler on Instagram, and I'm on TikTok as well, though I'm not as good. At <laughs> <updating>. <laughs> I doubt that. Yeah. Now it's it's uh, you know you only have so much energy in a day, and yeah. just where I end up, I'm like, oh yeah, I have the TikTok, and it's just because yeah. it's just different platforms posting in different mm-hmm. ways. But today's topic, let's get to it. I got to have a lot of fun going through like different topics of uh, what I would like to have you on for and Mm -hmm. just based on your content all around self-care and just really the experience of being a woman. And then you are a first-gen feeler and I'll probably want to ask you about like, in what ways are you a first gen feeler? Um, but sure. today's topic is what the heel. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. How in the world did you learn in your family of origin what healing is? And yeah. um, you know, like did you I know that you've found therapy and how did you go about that journey? Um, but before we delve into that, can we get a little background on like what what is a uh, you're in your first gen box there for myself. Yeah. I am uh Latina, um, but I, my parents are from Mexico and I am first generation American, but I like to remind people, you don't have to be first generation American in order to be a first gen feeler. You can also Absolutely. be the first to do anything in your family. And for a lot of people that is going to therapy or mm-hmm. exploring what uh, I think outside of uh, the Changpla culture, which (laughs) happens a lot still. So um, how are you a first-gen feeler?
1: Yeah. So for me, um, definitely first-gen feeler in the therapy realm. I was the only one going to therapy for a while. Actually, my parents and, well, my parents, just a couple, I would say a couple months ago, went for the first time um, for therapy. Yeah. So So, yeah, super. I was super excited. Um, I I haven't talked to my dad yet about the experience, but I spoke to my mom and she just felt so heard and validated and supported in the process. Um, My sister, she started therapy later. I want to say like in her early 20s is when she started therapy but i actually had a conversation with her and she said you know looking back i always asked mom if i can go to therapy because i saw you going to therapy and i thought it was so cool and i thought that you know i needed it too (laughs) she's younger than i um and always looked up to me so it was really sweet to have the conversation now as adults Mm -hmm. um and look back on that. But yeah, I'm going to have to say the main one is therapy. I started, I want to say I was maybe 15, 16, when I went to therapy for the first time. Um, What led us to therapy was just trauma bottled up. And yeah, um, I was having a lot of outbursts and just like being very what is the the word what's coming up for me is edgy but it's not yeah being on edge and you know my mom noticing the patterns and really being concerned about not knowing how to help me Mm -hmm. until my aunt from what I understand um, gave her the idea and said you know maybe we should consider therapy Um, for Julix and see if that is something that, um, that would help her through this, through this season.
0: That's so awesome to hear that even though you started so young and it might not have been initially your thought, right. That you had an impact on your sister and you might not have even realized Mm -hmm.
1: it. Yeah, you're
0: right. Just the power of normalizing it. And Mm -hmm. That's also sort of what this is revolving around where it's normalizing, going to therapy, because I don't know if you grew up with the stigma or if it was around in some parts of your circles, but that happens a lot. I used to work with, um, lots of parents, uh, at one of the agencies I was with, and it was very much all about like, I don't need to be telling people my business or you're just Mm -hmm. here to judge me and Mm -hmm. like, why would, and I think also coming from just, From my, from my line of vision, like in my perspective Mm -hmm. too, from like the elders in my family, I think to just the fear that has been ingrained in the culture as well of like, Mm -hmm. if you tell them too much about you, then they're going to know, or they're Mm going to come Mm -hmm. after you, even if you've done nothing wrong. So Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing that uh, your family was so open. And I think it's so cool that your parents are going to therapy. You don't get to hear that often.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that that's been really fruitful to see um specifically my mom because I had the conversation with her and and seeing her her experience and her seeing the value in it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it's speaking about therapy and and celebrating you know, other folks in your family. Now, my husband, for the first time, started therapy. And that's also been like, super exciting. You got
2: everybody going.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I, and I, my husband and I have been together for like, 17 years now. So, mm -hmm. so I've said it from the very beginning,
0: <laughs> but says, you know, it's you're okay.
1: like, I called it, I called it like, we, we got it, you know, we gotta be gracious in the process, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's been a huge, um, process for me to work through. And yeah, I always say, you know, it's hard enough not knowing who you are, um, mm-hmm. all on your own. Right. But then it's all the more fun quote unquote fun, get the sarcasm in there, right? All the more fun (laughs) to not know who you are and get married or not know who you are and be a parent and not know who you are and so on and so forth, right? So I think that's been one of the biggest lessons for me and where a lot of the caca hit the fan Uh when, (laughs) (laughs) when I got married. And although I was going to therapy, you know young i was really just dealing with emotions and Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a teenager or like my past traumas and things like that but now looking back it's also so important to know and find the right therapist for you yeah one that's a good fit one that quote unquote, knows what they're doing, um, right? Because mm-hmm. not everyone does. Um, so do your research. Um, for those that are listening, do your research and be sure that you do your homework, interview them. Mm-hmm. Um, as an adult, that's something that I did. And I was very picky and I called quite a few and had a couple questions. And based on the vibe that I got in terms of our connection via the conversation, then decided to move forward in exploring our, our relationship.
0: Yeah, it's like dating.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I just have to remind, and I had posted something, a story on first gen feeler, but that you're allowed to say you want a different provider. And I think that mm-hmm. that also gets lost on the generation that's afraid to be a burden. Uh, mm-hmm. so I like to remind and empower and say, you're allowed to change your mind. Um, because what you, what worked for you before too, might not be what you need now. Absolutely. I think back to my therapy experiences, and I, for grad school, we had to complete a certain amount of hours, uh, I think, mm-hmm. to help us practice what we preach. And also because grad school be hard, <laughs> needed. And so it was what the therapist that I got during that time, first of all, was in my, but had a sliding scale because I was just, you know, on a budget. I did too. I did too. (laughs) Also for the listeners, did you know that a sliding scale exists? And that means that there will be different, uh, there's a range of prices that you can pay based on your Mm -hmm. income and your situation. So be sure to ask if there's a sliding scale. Um, but yes, the therapist that I had at the time in grad school was great for what I needed then. And then Mm -hmm. there came a point where I felt like I hit a wall and mm-hmm. just cuz also sometimes that can naturally happen you meet your goals therapy is sometimes like a tune up for yourself like how we treat our cars we should give ourselves mm-hmm. the same respect and so i took a break for a little bit and then i think i recognized when i was in a relationship that oh, if relationships they just bring up some shadow work for you right for sure <laughs> and i recognized i'm <laughs> like oh my gosh i brought, i'm bringing some old stuff with me here i don't want that so mm-hmm. that inspired me to find, um, a new therapist. So I did my shopping through my favorite network, which is my colleagues and fellow therapists, because, um, you know, when you know the tips and tricks too, you need somebody who's going to call you out. And absolutely. so absolutely, um, I was recommended a therapist for therapists is how she was advertised mm-hmm. for me. And you know what? I've been with her for a few years now and she is, um, probably longer, <laughs> but she's faithful. She's so great. Um, and I, and then I got to, to just continue to work through things. And uh, she's a somatic therapist, which is really cool. Um, also for those listening, just like Julie said, there are a bunch of different types of modalities mm-hmm. and specializations um, really shop for it, have fun with it. I wish I was cool. Um, in my own therapy practice, I'm humanistic. I'm client centered. So it's all about that positive regard and also just trauma informed. So it's I wish I were like psychoanalytic. I always say that all the time. Where I'm like, then yeah. I could tell you that this means more than it actually. Means. <laughs> but I'm not that kind of magician, <laughs> that's and okay. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a big sign in my office. It says, "And that's okay." Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's just what I I would have hoped. What? Um. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. What did? healing look like for your family outside of therapy? Because I imagine that, you know, you're just here, this trailblazer, starting new ways of healing. Um, What was accepted or uh, what was the norm before?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before we dive into that, I would love for you to give me more on, of course, if you're comfortable, right? But I love the shadow work. So I would love, I know that not not everyone really, sometimes I've said shadow work and they're like, looking at me sideways I was like, huh, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> Tell me more about what did you learn about it prior to grad school? What was your experience there?
0: I think much like the words self-care. <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> yes. came up probably once or twice in grad school, and it wasn't until actually getting into the field and also mm. doing the work outside of the job. Yeah. Um, learning is what happens when you're on the job, and then also just outside, too, in how you're going to do your own inner work, at least to mm-hmm. be present. And I, I know that you experienced this as well in your practice where it's the more aligned you are with yourself, the better provider you can be. And so I noticed for myself, when I am more aligned, when I'm practicing what I preach, I get to be more present and I get to be better at my job for those around me. And if my goal is to be the ultimate helper healer, then I got to do the work too. Um, So the shadow work that comes up is the simplest way I can put it because that's also my favorite thing to do. I want to make it all just super simple. Um, so with relationships, relationships bring such light into our lives Mm
1: -hmm. and what
0: happens when you shine a light, sometimes there are shadows Mm -hmm. and in that you get to see, oh, that's what's under there. I I wasn't paying attention to that. Oh, oh, that's my attachment. Okay. So that's what's coming up for. This is, this is my relationship with my father. Like, oh, okay. So you get to see what is essentially highlighted, even though it's shadow work, what's, Mm -hmm. what is highlighted for you and where you want to deepen your relationship with yourself. And then that also helps us deepen our relationship with other people. Um, I do believe that it we get to meet people as deeply as we've met ourselves. Yes, yes,
1: yes. It's, yes. it's not again.
0: <laughs> as deeply <laughs> as we've met ourselves, and it's not about shaming or blaming anyone else for not doing the work. Sometimes they're not ready. And
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: That's the harder part when you start on a healing journey. It's yes. you start to turn the lights on around you, and you're like, oh my goodness, that that shouldn't be there. Or we've been doing it like that for how long? Mm-hmm. And not everybody's going to see that. And that yeah. is the lonely side of healing sometimes, yeah. which people also forget to talk about. We talk about the good stuff and say, Oh my gosh, I've learned about boundaries. And I say no, and it means no. And I do this. But the other part is If you're the only one doing the work, it can feel lonely until you find those who are also on that same level of working on themselves and working on their own shadow work. You might even find yourself triggered by the people who used to be your people before where you're like, Mm -hmm. you're not dealing with this issue. And it's, it's becoming a thing where now Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm having all these feelings Mm -hmm. because I have worked really hard to be consistent and to change my ways around setting boundaries or, um, yeah. in, in saying no to certain things that were just using all of my energy, but I don't know, was yeah. that a pretty simple yeah. explanation? <laughs>
1: Absolutely, I think that that you're so you you're doing so well at and not just here. I'm referring to your content, and that's why mm-hmm. I love it too because it's so practical. I think so far because Encanto is so brand new and so fresh in our hearts here in uh-huh. my family and across the world. I want to <laughs> say um, your your Encanto one was so dear and near to my heart. <laughs> the one
0: that you had with um, Luisa, uh uh-huh. um, the pressure one, yes. Oh. Yes. Uh, so breaking down our, um, the things that we say to ourselves as first-gen Yeah, well, I hear all the time and um, whether it's discussing with my colleagues or just friends who are also first-gen, just of all backgrounds, there is a, there are some common themes and you hear them and you're like, oh, that feels really familiar. The biggest one I feel is uh, I'm a burden. I don't mm-hmm. want to be a burden to someone. And, um, I don't know what's, what's a phrase for you that you feel come up for you.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that one, because I was just having that conversation with someone yesterday and, and I, I hesitated because I'm like, well, wait a minute, I'm not a burden, right? Mm-hmm. Who says I'm a burden? Where's this narrative, this story, this thought coming from, and is that fear of, imposing myself on somebody Mm -hmm. and and that's something that I never want to do because I I it's one of my one of the things that I have taken away from my experience and and learning that yeah a lot of people did unintentionally or intentionally impose their views their uh, perception or their expectations of who I should be Um, so I'm I'm big on that and wanting to make sure that that's not something I'm doing. Um, But yeah, it was a moment of reflection for me to say, I'm not a burden. And I can always give the person the freedom to decide whether they're going to welcome me or not. And and if they welcome me, then I'm not a burden. That's just, that's their choice, right? And they they can either say yay or nay in terms of whatever it may be in in our interaction.
0: You're allowed to say no. And so are other people, right? Yeah. And also yeah. it's really about, I think that rejection in it or absolutely it's also rooted in the fear. And when mm-hmm. we make decisions rooted in fear, as opposed to grounded in ourselves and in our own authenticity, we can get lost in that. Yeah. And that is living in fear is not a steady place. Right, it mm-hmm. can change based mm-hmm. on anyone else's opinions. Uh, what I always compare it to is it's like giving somebody else the control, the remote control to your emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I don't know about you and your household, but I like holding the control. <laughs> so why would yeah, I give of it course. to of someone course. else my emotions? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I hear you on that. Um, you know, when as you're having, as you're mentioning this, this piece. I, I say, yeah, for sure. I want to have, I want to have the control, um, of my emotions of what I can within, within reason. Oh yeah. Because even, and this is coming from like my experience of what came up for me in terms of like my, my walk and my relationship with control. Mm -hmm. Uh, So even that alone, like the word itself could be something that, that i can't that can be a trigger me oh. personally and this mm-hmm. is part of this is part of um that piece of being aware yeah and not necessarily a trigger in terms of like ooh like i'm uncomfortable or no mm-hmm. it's more of a trigger um and maybe the like, word is not trigger maybe it's cue. more of yeah maybe mm-hmm. that, that it's more of a hey warning or a thing mm-hmm. um Like not a red flag, but a yellow flag for you. Yay, that's a great one. Do you see how you're doing this? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, for sure. It's it's more of a yellow Mm -hmm. and making sure that I am engaging with the concept of control Mm
2: -hmm. in
1: a way that is healthy because it has been such a it has played such a big part in um as a response to my trauma.
0: Mm, Yeah. The the idea of control, It. It is just an idea, right? I I know I say often in sessions, and I'll say often just to myself. Absolutely, <laughs> that, yeah. That okay? <laughs> what do I have control over? Or my response, and even then,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not all the time. If it's that I'm in fight or flight, or if I'm highly activated, um, in in that being patient with myself. How yeah. my my power is also in how am I going to nurture myself. And I've really mm-hmm. tried to change the narrative um, mm-hmm. because control is, oh, I remember when I learned too, that control can also be a form of manipulation. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I came yeah. from. And that's why when you said <laughs> control, I was like, yeah, I get it.
1: Like, yeah, I can be, I can, I can definitely like control, but then I'm like, well, that's something that I'm, that I'm like actively intentionally making sure that I am, engaging with it in a way that it's healthy for me. Mm -hmm. Because where I came from was that it was, it was manipulation. Um, Mm -hmm. Did I know I was doing that? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Um, Not at all. And And that played out a lot in turn in my relationships Mm -hmm. and specifically in my marriage, in the very beginning of my marriage and having coming in with the immaturity of not knowing myself, not being aware of my traumas, not being aware of the way those traumas are playing a role in my relationships, the lack of boundaries, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah. That's where my mind went to. That's why that's where um, this all kind of came from. Thank
0: you for leading us there. And I just want to plug in also other things that we can potentially like, quote unquote, be in control of. Right. Mm -hmm. Obviously not. It's not concrete, but it's usually what I talk about is like routine or setting Mm -hmm. some sort of um, what we would call like an infant mental health, which would be, I love you rituals. Like, how are you, you do that with your kids, right? You give them a book, you, Mm -hmm. you give them a bath, you change them into their BMS, maybe you put lotion on. Mm -hmm. And these are the, I love you rituals that you create to also have those opportunities for co-regulation. So to help Mm -hmm. them self-soothe and to help them know I'm safe. And so what Mm -hmm. are we doing for ourselves? Is that something that, You know, if we want to take control of something, maybe that's the first step of saying, okay, I'm going to show up for myself by taking a breathing break when I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to actually take my 15 minute break. But instead I just, I scroll on Instagram or I scroll on TikTok (laughs) instead of actually checking in with my body. so So hard
1: so hard definitely something that i can that i can attest to and i can admit that it is a challenge and it does require us to be and i'll speak for myself it requires me to be intentional about yeah. yeah setting those boundaries for myself and creating i i as you were speaking my the example that came uh to mind is understanding and kind of uh noticing the patterns that that happened for me. So prior to having my children, I was never really one to be moody or anything really. I was pretty like normal, quote unquote. Um, because what's normal now, right? Like <laughs> you, you define that for yourself, but it's we can an dig idea. on that. <laughs> yeah, we can dig into that. Um, but prior to, so a week prior to my period. Mm-hmm. I am, like, not as easy to Mm. regulate, right? Um, So for me, it's been, (laughs) yeah, Um, welcome to my world, a little TMI. We're okay with that here. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I felt like it was welcomed, right? So I Mm -hmm. just went right in for it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I've noticed that after my children, for whatever reason, I am just all over the place Mm. in terms of my emotions. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the same capacity, the same space, mental and emotional that I have after my period. Mm -hmm. Um, And typically it happens like a week before this is something that my therapist actually noticed. And it was my first time doing uh, having a conversation or having therapy relationship with a male therapist, which is mm-hmm. part of my my journey, my process of okay. <laughs> intentionally um, mm-hmm. choosing a male therapist. But mm-hmm. again, we can dig on that later. But mm-hmm. he actually was the one that said, you know, there's this, I completely forgot the name of, of it, but he said, you know, there's... There's this thing, we'll call it a thing for now. And if you mm-hmm. know the name, feel free to tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this thing that that it is very real. And women do, in fact, um, experience an imbalance of hormones mm-hmm. prior to. And granted, that's normal for um, all women. We understand that. But there are uh, some women that experience it at higher levels where they truly do struggle to regulate and find a very difficult to find center
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, during uh, that season. Yeah. So for me, it's been, oh, okay. I know it's coming up. <laughs> Let me make sure that I am I haven't done it in a while, but one of the things that I was doing when I first started being like extra intentional about this was I have curly hair Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to maintain it. Thank you. It's been, it's hard to maintain it. And for me during those times, I say, okay, well, that is the one time in the month that I'll go ahead and blow dry my hair and I don't have to touch it. Mm -hmm. I just wake up and that's it. Could I do that with my curly hair? Absolutely. Um so that's another thing that I'm like working through as well. Yeah. Um because can I do that? Yes, absolutely, but I wear my bun almost every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People call it the struggle bun. I like <laughs> to call it Yeah, I like to call it the opportunity bun. It yeah. is my opportunity to spend more time with my kids. It is my opportunity to sleep mm-hmm. more. And it is my opportunity to work on seizing you more.
0: (laughs) I love that reframe because it's all about the reframes. (laughs) Because something can, can present as like, okay, well, this is... This is what I look like today, or one of my favorite quotes from <laughs> Princess Diaries. <laughs> have you seen I love it? that movie. Yeah, like, this is as good as it's gonna get. And sometimes yes. I have those mornings where I'm like, "This is as good as it's gonna get." <laughs> and then I tried to follow it up when I remember to nurture myself and take yeah. my own suggestions. I, I think. hear you, and I love myself for it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. what would I what would I tell my daughter? Uh, What would I tell somebody who is important to me? And I would say, and you know, I love you this way. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's, that's part of the gosh darn healing work. It's like, yeah, this is even though I'm saying it through my teeth, I'm doing, I'm doing it. Yes,
1: I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I was telling you earlier prior to um, starting the recording that, The morning was just not my best, Mm -hmm. and I had a really tough parenting moment where my kiddos were just, you know, six thirty in the morning, Uh and they're already fighting, (laughs) and they're already crying because it's, you know, oatmeal instead of peanut butter, and the world is ending. Oh my gosh, the world is ending with that. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I don't always have. And by the way, this is my. Week prior to my period, <laughs> I'm gonna put um, trigger warning yeah. <laughs> on the title. And you know, I did not have the capacity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's six 30 in the morning. For the love of God, can we please, oh, right? Can we please uh-huh. breathe? Well, I couldn't breathe for myself, mm-hmm. so I definitely couldn't breathe for them, right? And yeah, it wasn't my proudest moments moment I yelled at them and I and like I was talking to myself later earlier today um in the afternoon after what happened I said you know I I yelled at them yes I did and that sucked mm-hmm. because uh in my parenting is where I am the hardest on mm-hmm. myself because mm-hmm. they're the ones that receive that lack of maturity on my end or lack of healing on my end because I'm still healing and it's ever evolving process. Yeah, And yet I was able to walk away. I was able to go into my room, cry (laughs) and I am literally in my room crying. And what comes to my mind is this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. Granted, I'm not having the conversation like this. I was more like, (laughs) (laughs) like literally, Uh (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) and having this outer body experience, which is always beautiful, to be able to look at yourself and hold yourself in that moment and hold space for yourself and allow yourself to cry if that's what you need to do. And mm-hmm. if you want to have that tantrum in the closet, then go for it. Um, and, and then we walk out and I'm able to be better for them, mm-hmm. for myself and for them. And as I was thinking of the conversation, I was like, well, this is, isn't this ironic, like, you know, we're here talking about what the heal, and
0: <laughs> definitely not healing right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that the speed bumps are part of the healing. Absolutely. It, it's um. you can put it in any form that you want. Typically when I get to also think about people who are of faith and practice. And mm-hmm. I, I always give that example and say, you know, that part of faith, or even if you're creating trust in yourself, right. It it doesn't go into action until it's actually called to action. Mm -hmm. And so faith is really easy to have, or even that self-confidence is easy to have in yourself Mm -hmm. when everything's going fine. Everything's great. I have a great big window of tolerance (laughs) and I can take anything today. And yeah. And you recognized your window of tolerance was, was small, but that's, yeah, that's also part of the healing work. It's recognizing how to say I'm not okay right now. Mm-hmm. And I need to take that space because we also get yes. to think about the leaps and bounds that you've, you've probably done and myself included where I, yeah. I told you <laughs> about myself today. I was yeah. like, it's podcast day and i am so anxious um yeah. so i got anxious and i cried two times today uh cuz i Yay! was
2: like
0: what if what if it doesn't work out and you know like we we chatted on the side and it was great but like what if everything just falls flat what if we <laughs> what if i don't know what i'm talking about so all of this like all the imposter syndrome just pouring right. into me and then also i recognized with myself a lot of those fears that weren't necessarily mine started popping up. Yeah. Um, I have, um, you know, like I, I think about my parents and how they are willing to put themselves out there and not put themselves out there and how mm-hmm. the, a lot of those, in, those fears were instilled in me, not necessarily because they gave them to me outright, but just because, you know, you pick up the vibes. It was and learned. You, you yeah. learn it, you learn, don't put yourself out there because you don't mm-hmm. want people to judge you. Oh my gosh. Right. And here I am. I'm just like, let me start a podcast. Let me start an Instagram Let's do it with my face <laughs> on the front. So, you know, it's me. So yeah. I recognized that all of that was happening. And at least for myself, I was like, okay, how am I going to break the cycle of what I used to do? If we think 15 years ago, I I yeah. like to refer to 15 years ago, eventually 15 years ago, I won't be able to be afraid. I know, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but I think about that. And for my friends who I've had And for those who are listening right now, they know exactly who I'm talking about, which version (laughs) I'm talking about, where I was more, I felt uh, more reactive as opposed to responsive Mm -hmm. and also just very much taking on that first gen Luisa, you know, in Ganto sort of thing where I'm like, I will carry it all by myself because Mm -hmm. I know I can. Oh yeah. And instead I chose to. Let me reach out to my partner and I'm going to reach out to my brother <laughs> and just be like, I'm really emotional right now. And this is what's happening. And I need to let somebody know. And yeah. um, it was great for me to do it because even though, you know, they can't fix it, and also sometimes a girl just wants to vent. You don't, you don't, yeah. I, don't I don't need the solution. Of
1: course. <laughs>
0: I got the solutions. I just can't use them right now. I'm like, this is my venting time. Um, And also just, I think that feeling of, of safety and that nurturing in, and also having that confidence in the relationships that I have developed with my support system. Right. And being vulnerable enough to let others know, Hey, I'm not all right right now. Or, you know, like you said, take that space to say, okay, for 30 minutes, I'm going to sit with my feelings, Mm -hmm. which can be very uncomfortable if you're not used to it. And even if you are used to it, but the the more that you get into your work, you also get to recover a little bit faster. I always uh, think of like training in the gym. (laughs) like I train in the gym, but if, you know, whenever I do exercise, (laughs) um, it's hard, right. People go back for new year's resolutions and maybe that's what we'll catch people right now where they're like, yeah, I just started. And I wanted to, like, I got really nauseous when I was working out because I'm so out of practice. That's how healing works too. It's not just going to be like, Hey, here's the perfect way to do things congrats you're healed no it's going through those bumps and also being on the other side recognizing this was an opportunity for me and while it doesn't feel like it right now it will be and
1: yeah
0: I I just I appreciate you sharing about your morning with your sons because parenting is just that whole other door I'm not I'm not a mom myself um but Like I said, I just, I've worked with parents in the past and Mm -hmm. I have cousins for days, but (laughs) it is a complete different experience to be in charge and to get to love the little humans every day while one is still doing the healing work themselves. Yeah, And that's extremely courageous and it's, it is the ripple effect. You are making those generational changes just in loving your kids and so I just want to to shine some light on that (laughs)
1: amen thank you so much yeah yeah absolutely and and that's certainly the reminder um that I give myself especially in times like that where I go I feel so low right and Mm -hmm. and um giving myself the space to be there if Mm -hmm. I need to and being okay with that And also embracing the fact that i can be low and i can be high at the same Mm -hmm. time and you know it i don't have to live in a way that makes sense to anyone else but myself and in that in that process is when i say yes like i i go to that famous quote or It's famous to me because I think about it every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: famous Um, then. It's
1: famous. It it absolutely is. You are allowed to be uh, a working uh, a masterpiece and a working progress at the same time.
0: I like that. Say that again.
1: Yes. <laughs> so you and I have the frame
0: uh-huh. with that
1: quote right next to my bed, my friend, because it is that necessary—the mm-hmm. <laughs> reminder of being allowed to be a masterpiece and a working progress at the same time. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love it is because it allows me and gives me the permission. I give myself the permission to hold two two realities in one space that typically don't live together. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So the reality of me being a sucky parent and also rocking it can exist.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And also that that's a moment right? You think mm-hmm. about masterpieces. You think about what art looks like. My favorite it's is the
1: process.
0: Also the abstract and maybe it's because it makes me less yes! tense to paint yes! it. <laughs> uh, yes! Paint nights really, they, I get really tense with paint nights. I can't, <laughs> <laughs> but I love abstract. And so um, if I'm, if I'm participating, yes. Um, but I, I love, I love all sorts of art, but if you think about art, yeah. it's, again, the beauty of the colors and the shadows, and there would not be the, the brightest colors if it did not have those dark moments to be next to and to bring them out. Um, and being a masterpiece, I think it's just beautiful. I, I think that there's not enough praise for doing the work, right? We always think about, especially I feel like in American culture, it's always about, okay, what's next? What are you going to do next? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I often have to remind myself, how am I doing right now? And today, what, what were the things that were worth celebrating? And on those low days, because they happen. Sometimes the celebration is that you got out of bed and you got Mm -hmm. dressed and it's okay that that is the number one thing we're grateful for that day. You don't have to run a marathon every day or Mm -hmm. get this new fancy, whatever. It's about celebrating you showing up. And that becomes the biggest part of healing and recognizing this was just a moment. And this is part of my masterpiece.
1: Yeah. I think that it, it all, it all starts with giving yourself the permission, Mm -hmm. the permission to feel. Right, mm-hmm. the permission to to experience the permission to be,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and that is really at the root, at the core of seizing you. Mm-hmm. Um, this conversation is seizing you. Right? <laughs> um, this conversation is first gen feeler. Mm-hmm. It's it's what we stand for. It's it's the process of of being and allowing ourselves to be whatever we may need to be in that moment. Yeah. You, you were mentioning, um, you were mentioning something that came up, but we'll, we'll, I'll come back to it. Cause I had something in mind, but it left the building. So
0: that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. I, I like how you had mentioned before about, you know, giving yourself permission to feel, um, on first gen feeler I've posted, give myself permission alerts because mm. that's that is part of it and i find like a lot of the first gen experience has also been giving yourself permission to feel the things not only because we sometimes need to do that for ourselves but also yeah. if you think about your family of origin or your caregivers or the people who were most in, impactful in your childhood did they give themselves permission to feel it or did they give you permission to sit with your emotions (laughs) because a lot of the, the before us, right. A lot of the elders, they don't know how to deal or how to engage in uh, that discomfort. And that has to do with, you know, for a lot of, a lot of people who, um, you know, I'm thinking of the elders, like in my family, and that has to do with survival. Like there's not enough. And I have Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There's going to be an episode (laughs) on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, I just got to do it. Um, (laughs) but if you're thinking about just survival in general, um, that's what they were doing. They were building a foundation. It's, it's like, they didn't have that space to that capacity Mm -hmm. to be able to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Emotions. Let's sit with this. No, I'm, I'm new here or I'm trying to set a foundation Mm -hmm. of safety and depending on your cultural background and on your experiences, there are so many microaggressions that also exist to where, you know what mental health doesn't take the priority here. Mm
2: -hmm. So there are Mm -hmm. a lot of
0: first gen people, first gen feelers, right they're feeling for the first time because that opportunity wasn't afforded maybe to their parents and now it it feels new because it is new and you're given an opportunity to sort of explore this world for the first time and with yeah. that it also comes with giving yourself that grace to learn mm-hmm. it because it's new this is a completely yeah. new arena
1: I agree I as you were speaking I I was thinking about my family and the way they healed or attempted to heal. Right, mm-hmm. so for on my end, it's more of attempted to heal. Um, they did their very best. They did the the how do you say the the best they knew how. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I I now see where sure they tried. Um, specifically my mom she is the total opposite of me i am my father <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I am like my daddy mm-hmm. and i i have his temper and you know um and she's the total opposite she so if i had to pick an example of you know someone that Indirectly, I would say, because she she didn't she th- didn't know the language um, mm-hmm. in terms of like healing and inner work and all of that. That wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And not only was it not a thing, it's not that it couldn't have been a thing, a thing is that there was, as you said, no space for it. Mm-hmm. We're trying to survive. We're trying to make payments on our bills. We're trying to make sure that we work enough to be able to pay and provide. So they were busy providing Mm -hmm. that was their understanding of indirect healing in terms of providing what they didn't have. Um, So they didn't they didn't have the capacity. They didn't have the space um, to To take the time to say, hmm, let me sit with this. (laughs) However, um, my mother was one that did not yell. Mm -hmm. She was not one to yell. She was not one. I clearly remember um, when I would get so upset And she was always so chill. And that would make me so upset because she was not meeting my level of, you know, Uh (laughs) of intensity, like she must not care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was my understanding, right? And I clearly remember telling her one time, I just get so, and this was in Spanish, because in Spanish, we that's what the language we spoke in Mm -hmm. in my home, Um, and I said, you know, I just get upset because you don't you don't yell back at me like you mm-hmm. don't you don't meet me like you don't have I wanted to have a full on you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, quote unquote conversation
0: <laughs> in, in, in what a conversation was for me at that yeah. time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she was not speaking my language, and she so calmly like paused and said, "¿Tú prefieres que yo te grite? ¿Tú prefieres que yo te maltrate verbalmente?" Mm-hmm. Tú prefieres que te trate y te falte respeto. And then she said, un día de esto, like one day you'll realize that it's a, it's a blessing. In other words, for me to Mm. not do that for you. Like, Mm -hmm. I will not do that to you. Mm -hmm. Even if you ask, like, I love you too much. That was the message. She didn't say I love you too much. Uh Right. She didn't say that, but that was the message. That's how Mm -hmm. I'm, how I received it. And, and that moment always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Did I change my ways? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) no but i learned to respect and understand where she was coming from Mm -hmm. even if it still bothered me Mm -hmm. i understood like she took the time to explain and tell me and set that boundary Mm -hmm. and say no i'm not going to yell back at you Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to you know hurt you yeah. even though that's what that's what you're asking and and that's really interesting right the the toxicity that that lives within yeah. sometimes and you don't even realize because that's just you in the midst of your trauma response which is what i call it
0: mm-hmm. but that's so cool that she had that even though she wasn't like you know your typical yeah. like oh i'm doing inner work right now this is mm-hmm. me But She
1: still had the awareness.
0: Yeah. She had that awareness and that respect, because I, I always used to remind parents too, that, you know, your children are small, but they're still human.
1: They're still humans and and they still deserve respect
0: and everything, everything sticks. Right. Um, And that includes making amends uh, because parents are allowed to make mistakes because they're human. But also the important part is what happens after. Did we say sorry? Yeah. That's also if you want your kid to say sorry, you gotta you gotta know how to say sorry. You
1: gotta you gotta model that for mm-hmm. sure. That's definitely one of the things that um, that we have brought into our uh, mm-hmm. family now with our with my two little ones, and being okay with apologizing. Just because I'm the parent, that does not by any mm-hmm. means mean that I can own up to my ish, right? And I mm-hmm. can't own up to the mistakes that that come along the way and and having the conversation of hey mama's healing too mama's learning too Mm -hmm. and and i know it's hard right because you just started living Mm -hmm. you just started learning what it's like to feel what it's like to mama's been feeling Mm -hmm. for a while but guess what mama's still learning and it is my first time it is my first time being a mom right Mm -hmm. so that's a conversation i had with my oldest one time And I said, you know, I want you to know that it's my first time being a mom, just like it's your first time being a child. Mm -hmm. And we're learning together how to hold each other in the process of making mistakes and forgiving each other and also giving them the permission. This is another piece that I think it's so important in terms of boundaries and teaching them boundaries, the way that we have a simple way that we have um, taught our little ones to apologize and also welcome an apology um and in the welcome the apo- in the welcoming the apology also understanding that it we typically say or we teach our children without really noticing and i think we often do this too which is someone apologizes and you're like oh it's okay don't worry about it like mm-hmm. i forgive you it's okay well no it's not okay but mm-hmm. i do forgive you I do forgive you yet it's not okay Mm -hmm. and that that's a language that we have them practice with one another um and with each other even with you know my husband and i and also them to us so i have my little one say just last night to my husband when my husband apologized for they were they were doing homework Mm -hmm. and my husband just made he felt my little one felt like he wasn't given the opportunity to think before Mm -hmm. answering and my husband was just like you know the answer go for it and he's like but you're not letting me think Mm -hmm. so then they then had their moment of hey I'm sorry I didn't mean to not give you the space to think Mm -hmm. and my little one has his head on my husband's shoulder and pats his back and says it's not okay dad but I forgive you
0: yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Look at you yeah. just you're just molding the next generation into Yeah, it's so and, beautiful, and, right? It's, it's beautiful to oh see gosh. them. Yeah. Yeah. I I think of, you know, there's that work that you get to do again within yourself, within your marriage, and then also yeah. with your kiddos. Um, I'm thinking from like my perspective in in my healing work with apologies and sitting with uncomfortable emotions. Is saying sorry as an adult to another adult
2: that you're (laughs) related to.
0: um, Because now I catch myself because I'm more aware. And while I would like to say that every day I am calm and I am great, right? I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm human. I have moments where I am more activated and more -hmm. more reactive than I would like to be. Um, And so in this chapter, It's been also learning how to apologize to my siblings and we're all adults. And, uh, so it's been interesting because that's a lot of humility too, in that and vulnerability, you don't know how somebody else will receive it. It's a practice, especially if you haven't been taught how to do conflict resolution in a certain mm-hmm. way it's also mm-hmm. having those really awkward conversations and saying i'm going to tell you sorry because i recognize that i messed up i'm not doing this to start a fight right i
2: mm-hmm.
0: i think about uh recently i was driving up to the mountains just for some fresh air with um my brother in in the front seat and usually he's the one who'll like was like oh yeah I'll drive but I was driving my car and so we're driving and he was being a backseat driver in the front <laughs> <sighs> and I I like to pride myself on that I don't comment too much on his driving and uh-huh. I'd like to say, and knock on wood, I have a clean record, okay, (laughs) and I'm I'm safe. I'm a safe driver.
1: Yeah, Um, the evidence is in
0: the pudding, okay? There, (laughs) and so he has the audacity to (laughs) make commentary on how, like, oh, sure you're not going too fast, or you're going, you're involved, Mm -hmm. whatever he said. I he said it once, and I was like. Quiet. And then he said it again, and just like, and I know it was out of safety, right? It wasn't like he was poking me. There's a difference. And then a third time he says something, and I just react. And Mm -hmm. I said, You're annoying. (laughs) And one second later, this is my younger brother, it's my baby brother. And I just like, I feel bad. But in that moment, I'm like, I'm not in the space to say sorry right now. We're still haven't gotten to our destination. And so I have (laughs) to admit it took me and we were fine. Like it was just quiet Mm. in the car (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then we were fine. We, we had a great time. And then, uh, I would say it's probably the next day and I saw him and I said, Hey, I know that it's passed and, and I know that we're okay, but it's important mm-hmm. for me to let you yeah. know that that wasn't kind.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. yeah, it feels awkward also saying it right after the fact when you're like, we're fine. We were laughing and having yeah. a good time. Um, But also that is another step in that recognizing the, yeah. my awareness is there. And also because I am being reactive does not give me permission to react all over the place either. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. even if it does happen again, making those amends. And I think I told him, I was like, I felt really bad because you are not annoying your actions
1: were yes.
0: irritating. right? Yes. So not giving that to somebody, it's sort of like when we talk to children, it's not saying you are a bad kid. Yes. No, Hey, we're mm-hmm. making some not so great choices right now. Right. Absolutely. And so for me, that was really important, at least in my, in that sibling relationship, that dynamic, which I feel like comes yeah. up a lot, especially with first gens going into therapy for the first time. Um, you better believe the first time I apologized for me reacting, it did not go that smoothly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely. And it's it's about discovering what that is. Um, and it's different. Yeah. You know, what it is for me and my sister is different from what it is with me and my brothers. It's Absolutely. just having Those different experiences and being willing to have that calm conversation, right? Even if initially you're like, let's yell about this.
1: (laughs) I think it also plays that knowing your audience plays Mm -hmm. such a big role as well. Um, Especially when you're already in your healing journey and the other person may not be there Mm -hmm. and understanding that their uh reaction to your apology. It's not your burden.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not your responsibility. Um, so that's one big one for me. And also recognizing, I, I want to applaud you for recognizing and and not just recognizing, but taking action on the dangers of saying, oh, we're good. Like we mm-hmm. had a great time. Like mm-hmm. there was there was no evidence, no need to yeah. address it right mm-hmm. but you understood the the dangers that come with sweeping it under the rug
0: yeah you trip over what you sweep under the rug
1: absolutely it piles up and then mm-hmm. there it goes
0: <laughs> I'm like uh, just cleaning let's not <laughs> let's just clean it up right now yes Ooh. Well, this has been wonderful. I know that you and I could talk for hours and hours. Yeah. Um, and I would love to have you back another time. Yeah. Um, and sort of there's there's so much more to say on healing and in our how it is impacting our relationship with ourselves and the ripple effects that it has with the people around us in friend groups, in just in the different journeys that we're on. And we, like I said, we could go, on, we could go on for days. Um, So yeah. I'd like to encourage questions and um, just things that came up for you. If you have anything, you can put that in the comments or you can, you know, send something on first gen feel or post it on something or on seizing you say, Hey, I loved what I heard. Give me yes. more. Um, But I do, I'm going to, every time what I'm going to do is sort of also the point of this podcast, which is. Um, thanking you for showing up because in sharing your voice and sharing your experience, you also got to show up for younger you, in a way. Absolutely. And this is also the opportunity. It's a love letter to our younger selves, our younger first gen selves. Who did you need growing up, and how can you show up as that today? So, I want to ask you. Yeah. What would you tell little you? Yeah, uh, if they could hear you today, right?
1: And she certainly can hear me. Um, She's the one that inspires me to keep going and making sure that I am aligning with her Mm -hmm. and keeping her present for certain, for sure. Um, I would say,
2: hmm.
1: I would say. Dare to. Discover, discover and turn inwards to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say look inwards, look inwards to find who you are. Um, and I say that because it is life
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the experiences that come in, especially early, early on in our life that unintentionally or intentionally tell us yeah this part of you not needed tuck it away Mm. or oh you know that in particular yeah yeah you definitely don't want to say that no put that away Mm. yeah no I don't really like that about you so yeah you need to put that away too um and we don't realize that we continue to live life in that way because we lack inward vision. Yeah. We're, we're not looking in, we're looking out for guidance on who to be and what to be or, you know, what to believe. So I would tell her, look inwards, look inwards, and whatever you find, whoever you find, embrace her. Mm -hmm. embrace her, welcome her, celebrate her, and dare to take hold of her in order to forge your own standards of being. You know, you want to forge your own standards of being. You want to make sure that you're looking at, at who you are in order to then start creating that Outer life that reflects your inner experience. So I would say all of that.
0: (laughs) That's beautiful. So it's not so much adapt to the world, let the world adapt to you. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm thinking about like my inner child and my first gen little self. I'm like, yeah, hold up. I'm not supposed to try to be the mold here. I'm not supposed yes. to try to be perfect.
1: <laughs> no, you know, I was just talking to my children about perfection mm-hmm. and and understanding because we, we always say, and w- when I say we, I'm referring to the world or society, um, says, oh, practice makes perfect. No, no. In mm-hmm. this household, practice makes progress, right? Yes. And it is with progress that you get to uh, surpass your understanding of perfection and surprise yourself Mm -hmm. so surprise yourself let's practice right and let's make progress rather than um stopping there at perfection so that's definitely one that I have uh taken away from my journey and and aspire to continue teaching that to them as well yeah um yeah I think for in terms of not just my journey or my or identity specifically, um, I would also say to my inner gal, mommy and papi are doing the best they know how. Yeah. Mommy and papi are also healing. Mm-hmm. Mommy and papi also have baggage and they're also human
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're not just mommy and papi. They are human mm-hmm. and and yeah so the 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 baggage that comes and that doesn't allow them to show up and you know be be that quote unquote again perfect parent that you would wish you had right mm-hmm. um, It's because of that, and that's okay. They were the best parents that they could be for you um, and i I think that that it was definitely liberating for me to see my parents as human first and foremost Mm -hmm. and not taking um, maybe the traumas that came along with our relationships personal, but rather understand it as part of the experience, the human experience.
0: Yeah. Oh, you had to give your little child all of the cheat codes. So (laughs) that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And Thank you for visiting with me today. I know the topic was about healing, um, but I also feel like this, even this, just this conversation and in relationships and connections, we get to do a lot of our healing work as well. For so, sure. Thank you for being here, but you stay <laughs> because yeah. we're going to do a screenshot and I'll click stop okay. and record. Yeah. But for <laughs> everyone listening, I'd like to say, Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that something resonated with you. And please, please, please follow my friend Julix and her wonderful Instagram. And that is seizing you on Instagram. And then again, give a follow for at first gen feeler um, so that we can continue to learn together and grow together and feel all the feels together. So Thank you and have a great time. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Be sure to click subscribe so that you can listen on all the topics we're going to jump into. Also, feel free to share this. Maybe you have friends who are first gen feelers also on their journey please like, subscribe, share all of the things and give a follow on Instagram at firstgenfeeler. We hope to see you soon. Have a good one.